Good Tuesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us on the I Love Seville show. It's great to be with you on a chilly afternoon in downtown Charlottesville. Take a look at the screen for headlines we're going to cover on today's talk show. How many parents right now are pulling their hair out with a snow day following a um, federal holiday? No school yesterday for Martin Luther King Day. No school today for snow. And the forecast right now, looking uh, for Friday, quite snowy as well, especially with Wednesday and Thursday's temperatures in the single digits. Oof. We're not going to see much meltage happening. And Friday, the precipitation is calling for potentially inches of snow, so it very well could be a two-day week for school for parents in Charlottesville, Albemarle County, and Central Virginia. That got me thinking, viewers and listeners, that got me thinking about the potential for a common house for children. The private club on Market Street caters to Adults, from a working standpoint, remote work, hybrid work, those that don't want to work in coffee shops, pay membership at Common House. It caters to adults that are looking for food and beverage. Now, Chef Laura Fonner, the executive chef at Common House, it caters to adults that want to mingle and socialize, meet folks from a dating standpoint. Meet other couples to make friends. It caters folks to folks that uh, want to take part in live events, like wine tasting, hearing musicians play, poetry readings, dinner club events. I ask you this because why in a community with such economic prosperity and such deep pockets, is there not more opportunity for parents and children drop-off. Could there be a common house for children that could have success in the Charlottesville, Almoro, and Central Virginia area? I want to talk about that on today's show. I want to ask you this question. How many parents are asking right now, why does virtual learning not happen on snow days? During the pandemic, we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably when it's all said and done, when you include time, sweat equity, and infrastructure, I would not be surprised if it's a few million dollars in Central Virginia building a, an infrastructure for remote or, or hybrid or screen learning. Why was that infrastructure or that path to education completely disregarded on days like this? Boo. Snow days. Judah says boo. Judah says boo. Let the kids have fun. <laughs> And let him play. He says, stop, letting, uh, stop being a Mike Signer, if you may. <laughs> the owner of Reed's Grocery Store has commented mm-hmm. on the GoFundMe and the future of the grocery. The owner commented on Facebook in the comment section on a post on Reed's. I will relay that commentary to you. Much like we talked about yesterday on the show, the surrounding neighborhood around the grocery store has changed and perhaps consumer spending patterns have changed. This is a byproduct of, it's that ugly G word, Judah, say it for Sally in the back. Gentrification. Bingo. 
There's four stores for rent in the University Shopping Center. I've said many times on this talk show, one of the primo pieces of real estate in Charlottesville City that is right now potentially underperforming, flying under the radar, maybe it has the most upside or some of the most upside is the University Shopping Center, that little shopping center between the car wash and the Ivy Square Shopping Center where Foods of All Nations is located. You have some fantastic merchants in there, including one of my favorites, Lou Stevens, who owns the tennis shop in University Shopping Center. You have a Papa John's in there, if you may. You have a, a, a Latin restaurant and grocery in the University Shopping Center. Maybe you can find some of the other merchants, if you could, Judah, in the University Shopping Center. A handful of owners own this shopping center, and one owner has, has been unable to truly assemble or aggregate um, dominant ownership of the University Shopping Center. These are commercial condos. Hunter Craig, for example, owns in the University Shopping Center. Currently, there are four storefronts that are for rent. We'll give you that nitty-gritty today on the I Love Seville show. I want to talk Virginia Credit Union merging with a Roanoke Credit Union and what that could mean for employees of Virginia Credit Union. We'll take a look at this Virginia Tech at Virginia men's basketball game. Judah, if you can trim that headline down because the U from ESPNU is being cut off. Uh-huh. And you could just make it VATEC, capital A, instead of Virginia on the first one to trim that headline down. And... Um, on the second headline, you can change Reed's owner, colon, neighborhood demo changing. And strike has in the past tense of changed and just make it changing. And then the headlines will be uh, easy breezy. We're looking good. very, very good. Um, viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts. Gwendolyn Gale Cassidy um, says Snow Day should be a part of child development and growth. I'll get to the rest of her comment in a matter of moments. Once those headlines are changed, Jude, I'd like to get you on screen because, my friend, you are roughly $60 wealthier by following your instinct and your gut and not taking the bet that you were considering about the cancellation of school in Almoral County. Rugrats through high schoolers are in the confines of their homes right now, most likely on screens, which is the irony of why virtual learning is not utilized on snow days. I don't know. You think, you think kids with the same veracity and the same intensity and the same uh, <coughs> momentum are enjoying the outside snow and sledding as, say, you and I did in yesteryear? Possibly not with the same intensity, but I'm sure they're out there. I heard some of them out there this morning before, while I was getting ready for work, and one of my neighbors was out uh, was out shoveling snow with his with his young daughter. She seemed to be having fun, enjoying the enjoying the snow. Now, I don't know that she'll stay out all day long. I don't know if they'll go someplace to find a find a good sledding spot, but. Uh, I think there are probably some people that uh, are probably going out and having some fun with their kids. 
Yeah, well, I think they are going out and having fun with their kids, but I think the kids are not going to be spending nearly as much time as, say, you and I did growing up outside snowing, snowball fights, sledding, um, just getting into tomfoolery and mischief. I think they're now on screen on a couch. I mean, if parents, if they're honest with themselves right now, and they're looking around their house because probably you have kids uh, at home right now, which means you're taking time off from work and you're looking around your house right now. How many parents watching and listening to this talk show are looking over their shoulder and seeing their sons or their daughters on an iPad or a computer or an iPhone or some kind of screen right now instead of doing anything physical or educationally productive? I would bet you 90% plus of the viewers and listeners that are parents watching this program right now are looking over their shoulder at their house while they're watching this program. The irony is they're watching this program on a screen and seeing their kids rotting their brain in some kind of YouTube black hole. And it's, I mean, that's fair. It's but the pollution of the rising generation. But we weren't staying outside all day. Oh, I was outside the entire time. The entire day? The entire day. We would be hopping from friend house to friend house. We'd warm up with some hot cocoa. We'd warm up with maybe lunch or uh, some tomato soup and then go back out. There was no screen time. There was no inside time. It was stay out, come home at dinner. It literally what it was. You know, and I asked the question, we use this, and it's just for the sake of a talk show. I'm very well aware that online, lear- online learning is, was a piss poor outcome for so yeah. many students. If you had an elementary student, middle school student, high school student, during the pandemic, you most likely watch your elementary, middle school, high school student suffer mightily, socially, educationally, athletically, through this online learning ecosystem that we created as a band-aid to get us through COVID. Yeah. But why was it just disregarded? It was hundreds of thousands, if not a early, few millions put into it with school systems in Central Virginia. And as soon as the, the, the COVID fear wore off, and as soon as, frankly, political elections, presidency, you know, elections for president be, got behind us, the green light was get back in the classroom, which is what we all wanted. I was on this talk show from the beginning saying, get the kids in school, get back to work, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We now know that it was exploited for political purposes in certain aspects. Can't argue against that. But why was that infrastructure just completely disregarded? Do we understand, viewers and listeners of this talk show, that probably the future of education is online in some capacity? I'm actually very surprised that nobody has come up with a better solution. I mean, considering some of the apps that are out there, Duolingo, which is, you know, uh, great at teaching people new languages. Uh, I I can't believe that... Rosetta Stone... Coursera. Rosetta Stone's been around for decades. Uh, so, yeah, I, I find it incredible uh, or not very credible that somebody hasn't come up with a better solution to online learning. And I get that uh, there's a difference between setting your kid in front of an app that's specifically made to cater to whatever it is, whatever whatever particular... I. You would have to account for different schools, different uh, paces, uh, different, um, different. What do you call it? Uh, a teacher's um, study plan. But 
at the same time, it seems like we could have done more or somebody would have come up with with something besides just uh, putting people in, you know, giant Zoom meetings with other classmates and teachers. Well, it was because of the, the quick turnaround. No, but I, that quick turnaround, that. you're saying, should have evolved and continued evolving. And I'm, and I'm I heard also, from one gym teacher that his gym class was encouraging his middle school students to stand in front of the computer screen on Zoom to take a tennis ball in their left hand and to throw it in the air while sitting in front of the screen and catch it in their right hand. And that was a good percentage of PE in certain schools. I, they will remain nameless. Heard it from the horse's mouth, the PE teacher himself. Let's get Ginny Hu's photo on screen. She's number four in the family. The I Love Seville power rankings available at ilovesevil.com viewer rankings. ilovesevil.com forward slash viewer rankings. Ginny is number four. She says, exactly, fellas. My youngest child would have stayed out much longer if there had been other kids outside to play with. She's good at entertaining herself, but let's face it, sledding is much more fun with multiple people. Mr. Oh, yeah. DL, thank you for watching the program. Sledding by yourself is akin to what? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, there are kids that are loners. There are kids that just don't have the opportunity. And there's nothing wrong with sledding by yourself. But, yeah, there's, uh, there's something to be said for, uh, for getting out and, and enjoying uh, not just the snow, but anything with, uh, with a friend or a group of friends. I want parents to truly be honest with themselves right now. And this is going to be a tough pill to swallow for parents watching this show. My wife and I included. How much time is your son or daughter truly spending outside enjoying the snow on this snow day? And I would bet if parents were truly honest with themselves, the time a child elementary, middle, or high school, is truly enjoying by themselves on a snow day is an hour or less. I feel like Virginia is a tough place for, for this type of thing. Because Why? we're kind of in this... There are some years when we get two, three feet of snow over the course of a winter. There was enough snow now for sledding. I'm not saying there's not. But we've had several years... Uh, fairly recently where there was little if no snow at all and when i lived in when i lived in maine i mean it was almost a given that pretty much everybody that had kids on the on the street they had sleds they had uh they had uh what do you call it uh uh, pull on, pull on, you know, like skiing outfits, uh, <laughs> heavy gloves, heavy boots. Um, oftentimes I remember, like, I remember one of my friends when I first moved to Maine, they had, uh, they had multiple sets of, uh, of cross country skis. So we just go, you know, snow and we just go cruising around. We'd head to the train tracks and just go riding up the tracks. Be gone for the day. Like you said, but how many people around uh, Charlottesville do you think have cr cross-country skis that are ready to go when, uh, when we have... The first thing I think of when snow days is not cross-country skiing in Charlottesville. Of course not, because... Because there's no years, place to cross-country ski. There are plenty of places. Where would you cross-country ski in Charlottesville? You could go to the parks. You could go to... Uh, so you're saying cross-country ski in Darden Town, the soccer fields? 
Sure, All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Kevin Higgins says, put an iPad in the snowman's hand and the kids will be out there all day long. <laughs> they would be out there all day long until the iPad um, succumbs, to the, succumbs to the, the water, the melted snow. Um, just something to consider. And this leads us to our second topic. And Kevin's, Kevin Higgins, I appreciate your comment. Let's get that man's photo on screen. Kevin Higgins, a key member of the family. Kevin Higgins is ranked... Number seven in the power poll. I mention this live on air. There's Kevin Higgins. Appreciate your comment. This leads me to the next topic. Why is there not a kids, more kid-focused businesses and or a club? Look, you have Common House that is focused on children or focused on adults. ACAC has a kids component. But the kids' component of ACAC, the daycare, is a way to drive adult membership. Yeah. What is the kids' club, and could it work in the Charlottesville, Albemarle area, considering the wealth, considering the economic success and prosperity that's in this area? A kids' focus drop-off club of some kind. I mean that would that be for uh, would that be for wealthier people? You could offer scholarships. I was watching the news, a mountain climbing, a rock climbing business coming to Old Ivy Road, uh, a few doors down from the Ivy Inn, and the owner who's bringing this business to market said, "Yes, it's going to be a pay-to-play." this rock climbing business on Old Ivy Road, but scholarships will be offered from a membership standpoint. Hmm. Scholarships could be offered. Yeah. You, is the Boys and Girls Club the option? And why has someone not considered the for-profit version of the Boys and Girls Club and one of the many vacant storefronts in this community? We understand that the future potentially of storefronts, of Class C retail perhaps, is not selling widgets on shelves. The future of storefronts, especially in the Class C centers, is probably omni-experiential. That's why many of these shopping centers covet uh, tenants like um, gyms or cycle uh, studios or exercise studios, Pilates studios, omni-experiential tenants where they provide a service or a pay-for-play type of activity that cannot be cannibalized by the Internet. Whether you want to admit this or not, and I understand there's Peloton, and there's plenty of apps out there that allow you to exercise in the comfort of your home in front of a mirror, having somebody else in the room with you or dozens of other people in the studio with you, motivating you, driving you to be a best version of yourself exercise-wise, still has a lot of value. And it creates trickle-over impact for the other tenants in the shopping center. Why is there not a pay-for-play Boys and Girls Club version in Charlottesville and Almaro County. In that center, you could have a number of activities that is not tied to inclement weather. It's inside. I understand Bounce and Play has done it. Bounce, Play, and Creates had three owners that I know of. The former in-house counsel of Segura Solar is now the owner, he and his wife, of Bounce, Play, and Create. Steve uh, Belcher, Steve and Monique of The Happy Cook previously owned Bounce, Play, and Create. They sold it to the in-house counsel of the former in-house counsel of Segura. Yeah. Okay. Like what could a privatize, a private version, a membership-based version of Common House for 
five to 18-year-olds work in this community. Yeah, I mean, we were not too long ago talking about uh, Starbase Alpha and Planet Fun. Uh, my sister, uh, when she brings my niece to town, loves to go to, uh, to the Virginia Discovery Museum, uh, especially now that my niece is getting old enough to, uh, to actually appreciate it. Um, but yeah, something uh, along those lines would probably be great. Um, I question how well how I question how easy it would be to. Uh, um, you, you'd certainly have to be careful about safety, and especially if you have parents dropping off their kids. I mean, is that something that you would do? Would you drop off a kid somewhere like that? I mean, it uh, depends just, on if it's know, my first kid, my second kid, my third kid, or my fourth kid. Ask any parent watching the program. You become more open-minded to sanity uh, when it's your second, third, and fourth kid as opposed to your first. You become less of a helicopter parent. Yeah. We have a viewer and listener that's no DM me directly that's looking for a little bit of anonymity. It says, Jerry, I want to keep this offline because it involves my kids, but I agree with both points. We should leverage the tech infrastructure implemented in 2020 for remote learning during weather events. Mm. He also says... A reasonable amount of old school snow days are good for kids' development so as long, so as lo so as, long as they are active. Today I'm yep. working in my home office that was dra drastically improved due to COVID while my two boys just shovel two driveways and then played nonstop with the dog in the snow from 745 to 1245 until it was time for lunch break. Made my heart smile to see that while I worked. Screen time all day would not have been beneficial or healthy unless it was schoolwork. Let's go to Jennifer who's watching on, on one of our 15 Facebook pages. She goes, Jerry, you're exactly right. Our three kids, they went outside. They said it was cold. They threw a couple of snowballs. Their gloves got wet. Then they came inside, and they got on their screens. James Watson watching the program, he is not a fan of virtual loading at all. He says it's impossible to do on snow days. They are too infrequent. Kids want to go outside, and if you're lucky to be a teleworker like me, you'll get zero work done. James Watson, let's get his photo on screen. The uh, number five ranked member in this family. He also says remote school would be disastrous for the occasional snow days. Last year, we didn't even get a snowflake. Remote school is a debacle for kids under 10. I think it depends on the kid. I play um, sports with the parents of a 10-year-old who is learning remotely and, and they move from the West. I won't say where. They watch this program. I want to protect their privacy as well. This couple that I play sports with moved from a Colorado city to Charlottesville. And their, their uh, offspring is still able to do digital or remote work through the school system he was a part of. He's 10 years old. He's two grades ahead of where he should be academically wise. The remote and online learning is not ideal, and it does not apply to every kid. It depends on the makeup of the kid. Yeah, we have to understand this, whether we want to admit this or not. The online hybrid digital learning component is not something that is going to lose steam. As technology becomes more robust and ubiquitous, it's going to gain momentum. 
just like we've seen our kids become screen addicts on YouTube, on Disney, on Netflix, on Prime, on any of the games they're playing. That is what's going to happen with education, whether we would admit this or not. Here's another example. I learned this from, you talk to real estate agents. Mozzie Volger watching the program right now. Mozzie can contest to this. For the folks that are getting their real estate license, if, if you know, many of the realtors in this area, or many folks in this area have real estate license. I think there's 1,100, 1,200 realtors and cars, something along those lines, and commercial brokers that have their license as well. Yeah. The learning component of getting a real estate license is online. It's online. It's all online. 60 hours of online learning, and then you take an in-person proctored exam. Now, there's an educational component of doing it in a classroom, but I would bet you an incredibly overwhelming large majority are saying the online component over the learning in the classroom because of the flexibility offered. No doubt. The parents that I were talking about where their 10-year-old is multiple grades ahead of where they should be, this child is a standout in a number of other, standout in school and a standout in a number of other hobbies and interests in sports because this child has more free time and flexibility because they're not necessarily in a classroom full time. There's a reason why former... They're also not waiting however long for a bus, then going to pick up other kids. They're not spending all that time in transit either. Mozzie, exactly. Mozzie Vogler said, yep, I did all that online learning for my real estate license during the pandemic. She said, my middle school daughter has been sliding with her friends earlier today. My oldest is meeting some friends shortly to go sledding. It's nice. our first snow after all. That, I'm very happy to hear that. That's Gwendolyn awesome. Gale Cassidy said, we were going to do a private club for kids on the downtown mall near the Paramount. The, the numbers did not make sense even at $20 a night with sibling discounts. A privatized version of the Boys and Girls Club. And this wealthy ecosystem we call Charlottesville, Almaro County in Central Virginia. Bill McChesney watching the program. He says, remind folks to clear the area around their mailboxes and any fire hydrants that are near their property. He says, my vehicles are cleaned off and my driveway steps and sidewalk are cleared. I shoveled the driveway last night. Woke up to a driveway that was ready to rock and roll this morning. You show a little bit of that asphalt, and it's fun. It's, it's impressive of how the snow melts quickly. Oh, yeah. You no keep doubt. that driveway covered with snow, and it turns to ice, and you're going to be breaking your back shoveling that driveway. Yeah. You, you, turn into the, uh, you tune into the weather forecasters. John Blair, I'll get to you in a matter of moments. And they say we're looking at single-digit temperatures for the next 24 to 48 hours. Ugh. Did you see it? Well, you no. pointed, you brought that to my attention. I heard there was going to be single-digit uh, temperatures tonight. I didn't know. And it Thursday for... with some snow on Friday. Sevo Matter says ACAC's Kids Day Off when schools close due to the weather, spring break, winter break is open to members as well as non-members alike. Thank you for sharing that. Nice. There's capacity issues there, though. Ginny Hu says, are the owners of kids of the kids' common house going to be allowed to enforce behavior and rules? In my experience, as soon as that happens, the haters come out, and either rules go out the window or the opportunities mm. shut down. It's unfortunate that's the case. Yeah. But in some cases, that is, in fact, reality. Thank you for sharing that, Sivo Matters and uh, Ginny Hu. Sivo Matters, you have one follower on Twitter. Um, 
Anywho, some of the things that got us thinking. My number one thing is just getting the kids off the screens. Yeah. The kids off the screens for non-educational purposes. What we are going to start doing, my wife and I, is we've put a time limit on screens. And when screens are used, it's going to be for educational. There's another family I know, a, a Hungarian family, husband and wife, hmm. that have two boys. They limit screen time to 30 minutes a day. And yes. the 30 minutes a day is the kids watching Hungarian content, literally learning the language. I mean, that's great. I, it makes me think of when we were kids, and of course we had television, but uh, it was, you know, there wasn't necessarily something f- interesting to watch on TV all day long unless you liked uh, soap operas. But, um, but it's the same thing. If, uh, would you have let your kid watch TV all day long? Steve Jobs, Gwendolyn Gail Cassidy said, limited it to 15 minutes a day. There's a reason why the C-suite executives and many of the social media apps do not allow their kids to utilize the app. I've seen it firsthand with our oldest, the rotting of the brain and actual addiction at five years old. Oh, yeah. Screen time. You can be where, go studio camera if you could, so people could see where we're sitting, how close we are. How far would you say we are? Three feet? No, Four feet? We're five or six feet. Five or six feet? Okay. Five you or six could, feet apart? You could lie down between. You no and way. Me. Yeah. You're waving? Okay. Because they can't see me. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Call it five feet. One I person. can be five feet away from our oldest while he's out down the YouTube rabbit hole of content. I tried this literally on Sunday. One of our oldest, his favorite candy is Skittles. Mm-hmm. He loves to taste the rainbow of flavors that comes in a pack of Skittles. He likes the red pack over the, the berry pack best. Okay. And I, he is in the YouTube rabbit hole, and I'm screaming, Hey, do you want some Skittles? You can have as many Skittles as you want. I have all the grapes and all the cherries, your personal favorites. Hey, son, you want some Skittles? Come get some Skittles with me. You can stay up late. You can have Skittles and stay up late and not go to bed. And he and does not completely. It doesn't dis- break his attention of what he's doing. Yeah, that's drugs. Yeah, that's addiction. Yeah, and it's not just him. No, uh, were we talking about this before? Uh, there's some. I think there's some cartoon or uh, kid show called. It's like Coco. Oh, is it Coco Melon? Coco Melon. I think that's what it is. My wife is probably going to text me about this. And uh, my uh, my niece is starting to get. She's almost three, and she's starting to get uh, addicted to the. She'll she'll take someone's she'll take someone's phone. Uh, she'll take my mom's phone or my dad's phone. Next thing you know, she's like scrolling through apps. She's and then. It's the dopamine hit. And then somehow the dopamine finds, hit that you see with children. She can't even spell, but she can still find Cocomelon on YouTube. Well, the algorithm is positioning the content in front of her based on the length of the content she's watching. The longer you stay sticky in one piece of content, the more the algorithm knows other content to put in front of you. 
Mozzie Vogler says, my kids are 14 and 13 and I have limited screen time of three hours a day and at 10 p.m. their phones are shut off. Somehow I still get away with this. It's hard on teenagers. <laughs> Gwendolyn says, the World Health Organization recently advised parents to limit screen time to just one hour a day for children under five. Though one large study found little correlation between screen time and mental health impacts, other research has found that an eighth grader's risk for depression jumps 27% when he or she frequently uses social media. Yeah, no doubt. 100%. Has anyone ever gotten on Instagram? Get on Instagram. Everyone's been on Instagram. Go to the search function. Yeah. On Instagram. And it pops up all the stuff that it wants you to look at. It pops up all the stuff you want you to look at. And the folks that you see on the search function of Instagram, whether men, whether women, are the most beautiful people in the entire world. If you're an impressionable mm-hmm. preteen or teen that is on Instagram constantly hitting the magnifying glass for search and the only content you see is of beautiful women, if you're a preteen female or if you're a preteen guy, you're seeing you know, what you think a male is supposed to look like, that's going to have psychological impacts on you. Yeah. Unhealthy psychological impacts. No doubt. And it all, we all start this program on a day where the schools are closed. You're $60 wealthier by not taking that bet yesterday. You were a smart man. Yep. You were very close to taking that bet yesterday. Not really. You said I would consider doing that on yesterday's I would show. We have it, the film. But, oh, I know. I know I said I'd consider it. We have it, the tape. But I don't think there was any way I was. It, it doesn't It's besides the point. You didn't now. take it. You trusted your instinct. Yeah. Well done. You trusted your instinct. Um, all the schools are closed. Screen time has become a babysitter. And I asked the question about a private club for children. And I wonder how much actual time parents are seeing their kids spend outside sledding and enjoying the show. I would snow. I would bet it's less than we think. And whether we want to admit it or not, the online learning of education, the digital learning of education, and it's unfortunate, but it's a reality, is gain, is, is, will head in that direction. And how it's going to start is it's going to start from a professional standpoint. I mentioned the 60 hours of learning for a real estate license. You can do it online yeah. while in your underwear. And then it's going to trickle to college. And for college, it's going to trickle down into high school, middle, and elementary. I mean, some colleges are already doing it. Um... I mean, it makes sense. Think about how you're – a lot of people don't realize this. You can confirm this for me. Liberty University in Lynchburg, please confirm this for me. I believe Liberty University has one of the top five largest student bodies in America. You're talking Jerry Falwell's college, Liberty University, and little old Lynchburg. From a total student body standpoint, I think it's top five nationally, and it has a very good chance of being number two. I think the, what's the Phoenix school? The University of Phoenix? Um, is it... Uh University of Phoenix, I think, is number one. I think Liberty University is number two for a largest student body or enrolled students. You can find that digitally. Let me know when you have that number, and then I'll go to the next topic, and I'll weave you back in, J-Dubs. Judah Wickhauer, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We'll go to Henrico, um, Holly Foster. You already have that information. University of The total enrollment at uh, University of Phoenix in 2021, uh, both undergraduate and graduate, was... 85,836 Okay. Students. 
Liberty University total enrollment in 2016 was 110. Okay, so Liberty even more. Where does Liberty, I said it was top five nationally, most enrolled students, undergrad and graduate. I, I said think, top five nationally. I think it I, might be number I think, two. I think they're over 135,000. Is it number one, Liberty University? You want to know why Liberty has so much money? It's not because of the kids walking around their campus in Lynchburg. It's because of this. This right here. Think about the money they're making. How many did you say in 2016 enrolled students? 110,000. 110,000 enrolled into Liberty. Yeah. Parents talk, uh, professors talking in front of a camera to 110,000 people. Think about that and how much money they're making. All right, here's an article from January 2nd of this year. Okay. Uh, I'm listening to learn. Here's the summary. Uh, uh, college campus, the largest enrollment, Texas A&M. Okay, Texas A&M, number one. This is in person, though, right? Um, I yeah, that's totally in person, which is different than what we're talking about, regardless what's Texas A&M's in-person enrollment. Uh, it's not, uh, let's see, uh, 74,000. 74,000 people on campus at Texas A&M. That's a lot. How about online? Uh, let's see. That's a different article right there. I want to get to Holly Foster's comment. You give me a thumbs up when you get that info. Then we'll get to the commentary from Reed's owner in a matter of moments. Holly Foster, the queen of Henrico, Virginia. When I was little, I watched the evening news with my parents at dinner, and we talked about current events, and then it was bedtime. Saturday morning, I was allowed to watch cartoons the best day of the week. Sunday night was Perry Mason with my dad. We had a television in our large country kitchen in our den. No television in the bedrooms. Gwendolyn Gale Cassidy says it's University of Phoenix, Jerry, you're right, 320,973. The University of Phoenix, 320,973. Thank you, Gwendolyn. What's hmm. Liberty? What is Liberty University? I believe it's number two, if memory serves correct. Uh, here's, a, here's an article from the end of last year that's saying that, uh, and I'm not sure... These this numbers, is right up Gwendolyn's alley here. These numbers are different than the ones she's got. Um, they've got Western Governors University as the highest uh, with 150,000. Uh, Liberty comes in fourth okay. on this list with 94,000. University of Phoenix right behind it with 85,000. Um, What's the source? This is... Uh, SuccessfulStudent.org. John Blair leaving comments on LinkedIn. Jerry, have you heard of Flocabulary? <laughs> How about ST Math? These are learning apps that are used in my son's school at Mountain View Elementary. What's interesting about this is that the kids use these apps while in person at school. By the way, for what it's worth, my son and about 10 other kids in Redfields had a big snowball fight this morning. I love the visual nice. of your son, who's a standout wide receiver in flag football and a safety and defensive back of talented proportions. You don't cross the middle when John Blair's son is playing safety or defensive back. <laughs> you don't cross the middle. I love the visual of him playing in a snowball fight in my old stopping grounds, Redfields. He also says this, Jerry, I was interested in this issue a couple years ago during the pandemic. I talked to a few local business people. They said that a big reason these businesses, kid-oriented businesses, struggle is ACAC. ACAC has the upper hand, has the upper and upper middle class market tied up pretty well. They have a two-hour drop-off 
and Kid Zone. They also have an all-day camp for summer and Christmas. Fantastic analysis right there from John Blair. YMCA offers a lot of opportunity for kids as well. The YMCA. John, I love when you watch the program. Trey Barham watching on LinkedIn. Thank you for watching the show as well. Gwendolyn says Liberty is number four, 108,000 plus students. And she's using collegestats.org. Philip Dow is sharing a link as well, the king of Scottsville, watching the program. I want to get to the Reed's uh, owner. Judy Ram McMullen watching the program. A local friend of mine is a professor at three different universities, including Liberty, and all of the classes are online. College univers- the college and university model is not going to be tied to bricks and buildings and dorms. The top echelon of colleges and universities, I'm talking the top 5%, the creme de la creme, and the University of Virginia is in there, so Charlottesville's economic ecosystem is safe. The best of the best will still offer in-person learning. The remaining percentage, which is by far the majority, will pivot to an online model. The college business model is broken. And why it's broken is because its customers are coming out a quarter of a million plus in debt and will never recover from that kind of headwind or exposure or liability. Yeah. You cannot come out a quarter of a million in debt with housing costs, food costs, vehicle costs, healthcare costs being where they are now and get out of that hole. No doubt. And once people realize that and become privy or become socially aware or when the social norms change and you don't need the, the vanity play or the ego play of the four-year degree and you realize that it's a trap, the model's going to be drastically changed. And that's what Helen Dragas, to her credit. Now, Helen Dragas probably could have played things differently. She's the former chairwoman of the Board of Visitors, University of Virginia. Yeah. She was the one that tried a secret behind-the-scenes coup to, to oust former President Teresa Sullivan because Terry Sullivan would not pivot quickly to online learning like Dragas wanted. Dragas, if you look at Dragas, and I've mentioned her previously on the show, is it Dragas Companies? I think that's the name of her business. Yes, it is. Go to Dragas.com, D-R-A-G-A-S.com. Helen Dragas and her company, Dragas Companies, in Virginia Beach and Chesapeake are a behemoth. This is a visionary businesswoman leading a very large company, a heavy hitter political donor. She sees things before they become reality. She has the skill set of vision and understands risk hedging. What she was trying to do with Coursera is, was, was way ahead of her time, way ahead of her time, but it will be the present. Mark it down. We need to get to Gwendolyn Gail Cassidy knows this. I believe she's studying at Harvard right now. She says they're called, is it MOOCs? Massive online open courses will begin to cultivate as we lose teachers, especially in lower SESs. What's an SES? Is that college or university? I don't know the acronyms as well as you do, uh, Gwendolyn. Yeah, she's studying at Harvard right now. M-O-O-C-S's, Massive Online Open Courses, will begin to cultivate as we lose teachers, especially in lower SESs. What's an SES? And she was the rector for the BOV for UVA. Her father also started the company she inherited. That is true. Could be socioeconomic status. Ah, is it socioeconomic status? Is that what it is? I think that's exactly what that acronym means. 
socioeconomic status, well done, Judah Wickower, or is that well done, interwebs? Little both. Little both. Well done, Judah Wickower. <laughs> Carly Wagner watching the program. She's a key member of this family. We need to get Gwendolyn a ranking. Gwendolyn needs to be a ranking. Let's put her in at 33, and I have a feeling she's climbing the polls quickly. Gwendolyn Gale Cassidy at 33. She needs to be added to the list, and she's going to climb that ranking quickly. We need to get Carly Wagner's photo on screen. She's a very important member of this family. Carly is ranked number three in the polls. She said, Harvard offers online. I have a local friend getting her advanced degree from Harvard virtually. Thousands of students around the world are in her program. Harvard is pretty, is the best of the best. There we go. It's not spend $100,000 a year for this, the, the social dynamic or, or, or the social fabric of going to college, the rite of passage. Unfortunately, the rite of passage into adulthood may, be, may now be a rite of passage of social media, online dating, and, and, and digital learning. That's freaking scary. The rite of passage... When you're, let's just take a, a geriatric millennial. Geriatric millennials are 1980 to 1985 born. A geriatric millennial, their rite of passage was graduate high school and go to college for four years away from your parents and figure things out on your own. Here's the generations. A, you have the generational graph on screen? Yeah. Put the, look at the screen, look at the screen, look at the screen. What is the years? Put the years. Oh, uh, let's see. Which one are we talking about? Talking and and about, it, let's uh, go with the one before uh, Millennial. Okay, Generation X, that's, uh, that's me. You're Generation X. What are you? I'm uh, 75. This is, uh, they, they list Generation X as 65 to 80. Okay, you're Generation X. Millennials, 81 to 96. Okay, so a ger- geriatric millennial is 81 to 86 or so. Go ahead. Uh, Generation Z, 1997 to 2012. So a young Generation Z-er, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, right? Mm-hmm. They're middle school. Yeah. The rite of passage for a middle-aged Gen Z-er, a middle-aged Gen Z-er is probably just getting to college now. What's a middle-aged Gen Z-er? Uh, you're talking about middle of the Generation yes, Z yes. years? The uh, middle of Gen Z. Like 2005-ish. Okay, so a middle, middle-aged Gen Zer is 2005. The rite of passage for a middle-aged Gen Zer, someone born in 2005, this is terrifying. Their rite of passage is online dating, digital learning, and social media apps like TikTok and Instagram on their phone. Yeah, the rite of passage for a genera- geriatric millennial, for even a middle-aged millennial. This is we're talking an age gap of twenty years. Was in-person learning, yeah, at a college, and meeting people at parties, the library, or at bars, while figuring out how to learn in a classroom and socialize with folks while walking to and from class. That is a massive shift of human behavior. Yeah. In only 20 years. Yep. 
We were talking with Jerry Ratcliffe off air after the show of how the media landscape is changing so quickly. How about the landscape of human behavior? Definitely. Terrifying I mean, or exhilarating? Which side of the fence are you on? We're, we're seeing technology take off at faster and faster paces. And Depends on how quickly you can adapt. Are you studio camera? Got to take this jacket off. It's sweating profusely. Are you? No, of course not. Literally, the odd couple over here. This man's got a quarter zip. What do you have on a quarter zip, a button-down flannel, and long johns underneath? <laughs> While wearing a scarf. A quarter zip, a button-down flannel, and long johns underneath. It's not a flannel, but... While uh, wearing a scarf. I mean, it's not a, it's not a long johns. Resiliency and adaptability are key to survival. Gwendolyn Gale Cassidy, a.k.a. Darwinism. Darwinism. Carly Wagner, buying into that allure of that rite of passage is a big reason for the student debt crisis. Many prudent people are avoiding that to stay out of debt. Bingo. And that mindset is becoming more prolific. Now, I want to get to the Facebook commentary from the owner of Reeds. This went as we predicted on yesterday's program. Mm -hmm. um, the GoFundMe was shared on the Reeds Facebook page. And the owner of Reeds, Sue Brooks Clements, who we have nothing but respect for. You're a business owner. We champion business owners. You have staff that depend on you. I know what that's like. You're having to adapt every single day. I know what that's like. Nothing but champion and, and respect and props to any locally owned business. I want Reeds to survive. I want Reeds to last for 50 more years. I would want nothing else but to buy some, uh, some T-bone steaks, a six-pack of uh, Emperor of Clouds IPAs and some pig's ears from Reed's when I'm 75 years old. I would love nothing more than that. Obviously, we all know that Reed's on Preston has some significant headwinds in front of it. Yeah. It's in the grocery business, which is a single-digit percentage margin business. She leaves this commentary on the Facebook page. As the owner of this small and struggling business, I believe we have, the questions are legitimate of what's going on. First, I do want you to know that the person who started this GoFundMe, we are very grateful for them, but we did not ask her to start the GoFundMe. Yeah. Our community has remained behind us when they could have easily walked away, and we certainly are very appreciative. She also writes this. A few things have been changing over the last few years that finally caught up with us. The demographics of our surrounding neighborhoods has changed, and the cost of doing business has gone up significantly in all areas. We likely did not make changes soon enough. We are already trying to make changes to move forward. Changes like being more selective of our inventory, incorporating our larger value selection, and restructuring our store hours to better control expenses. The Charlottesville community has been clear that they want us here. We will continue to look at every aspect of our business in an effort to ensure we are here in the future. Thank you. The GoFundMe has raised, it has a goal of $10,000 up until the point of one twenty-four. Uh, 1.24 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon, it's raised $7,059 of a $10,000 goal with 88 donations. I specifically said on yesterday's show that the surrounding neighborhood around Reeds, which is 10th and Page, Rose Hill, Star Hill, Fifeville, is completely different than what those neighborhoods were even 15 years ago. Yeah. 
and the new inhabitants or homeowners in 10th and Page, Fifeville, Star Hill, Rose Hill. are much deeper pocketed now. Yeah. In many cases, don't even have longevity or tenure in the area. And they're probably not <clears throat> driving the car to Reed's. They're probably going to Wegmans or one of the other places. Deeper pocketed neighborhoods around the grocery store with vehicle access where prior it was not deep pocketed people with limited vehicle access, having to walk to and from Reeds or take public transportation. Furthermore, with the many transplants that have moved to the Charlottesville-Albemarle area, and we know anyone watching the program that we've had a population uptick. That population has upticked for a number of reasons, which we've covered very well on this program. Hybrid work, remote work, the influence of the University of Virginia, Amazon, 11 billion, Louisa, Data Science School, UVA, Paul Manning Biotech Institute, UVA, increased enrollment, UVA, Northrop Grumman, 200, 300 million new headquarters in Waynesboro, the spies on 29 North, influx of them in this community. We have a population uptick. And as that population increases or upticks, the affinity or the loyalty or the institutional memory for stalwart brands, businesses that have been in this community for decades, that commitment to protecting and preserving and populating those businesses Mm -hmm. is just not as strong as it once was. We've seen that affect the corner where now you go to the corner, it's chains. Yeah. We've seen that affect the downtown mall. We've seen that affect every pocket of this community. Mm-hmm. And that's an unfortunate nature of living in a popular area that gets national press. We all live here for one of the basic reasons. What's the basic reason we all choose to live here? It's one very straightforward answer. Uh, it's... Really nice. Quality of life. There it is. Judah got it 100% correct. It's quality of life. You're not going to live in an area where you don't think the quality of life is decent. And the secret's out. And as the secret becomes the spoken word or the gospel, the population and the socioeconomic demographic changes. And when that changes rapidly, which it has, the commitment to loyal, the, the, the willingness to remain loyal or the willingness to stay loyal or to drive loyalty or to preserve and to protect institutional brands becomes less and less and less. And we're seeing that happening. Mm-hmm. The grocery business is a brutal business. The digital world has cannibalized the need to shop in person. That's what happens. And I want nothing more than for Reeds to be there another 50 years. And I hope that $10,000 campaign on GoFundMe turns into $50,000. I want no one to take anything but us giving them props here. But I am worried. I am worried. Yeah. Randy O'Neill watching the program. Randy O'Neill is one of the key members of the family. Can we get his photo on screen, please? Randy O'Neill is ranked number 29 in the power poll. Randy O'Neill says this. The problem with every 
defied government department is a jobs program with no goal, interest in solving programs, problems. Carly Wagner says, and the population increase is not in the city proper, it's the surrounding areas. City have only seen less than 6K increase in population since 1990. People are not driving downtown or to the corner grocery shop. I will, I think Carly Wagner makes a good point, but I want to highlight this. The population may not be increasing quickly in the city, but it's shifting. Just because the population has increased, in, and she knows data extremely well, she says the city has only seen less than a 6,000 person increase since 1990. I would venture to say that the city's dynamics has, has changed, though. While it may only increase 6,000 people in the last 33 years, and I don't doubt her statistics, I don't doubt her stats at all, I would bet that the folks living in the city in 1990 and the folks living in the city in 2023 complete about face in, 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 in the institutional living of this area. You're, you're substituting the OG for the new G, the old guard for the new guard, because the OG is getting gentrified out of the city for the new guard. Look at how long a house lasts on the market that comes up for sale in the city. I mean, you, 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 you hiccup and it's pending, literally. And that's speaking from a vantage point of someone who's looking, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here with the missus, of someone who's looking to go from uh, Keswick to potentially the city. So we can get closer to um, where we spend our lives, the areas we, we spend our lives. And as you, be, you become older parents, and it's weird to say that because our oldest is about to turn six and our youngest is about to be 14 months old, but as your kids become older, you find yourself doing things around their social calendar or their extracurricular activities even more. Mm-hmm. You become vicarious uh, livers through their social and extracurricular calendars. And I think that is good parenting. I think I'm such a young parent, I don't know. I think that's called being a supportive parent. Absolutely, Gwendolyn Gale Cassidy. I love supporting Reed's. One of the best craft beer selections out there, Reed's. One of the best meat departments out there. Literally some of the best cuts of beef. I believe Riverside High Street gets its food from, its, its meat from Reed's. And that's one of the best burgers out there, wouldn't you say, J-Dubs? Oh, definitely. This is from someone who's asking for anonymity. It is, it is not deep throat. It is not deep throat. This is from someone asking for anonymity. I want to remain undercover for this, Jerry. College costs simply round numbers showing difference for one generation. My parents sent two kids to four years of state public school for total room and board included $85,000, me being one of them. I have two that will enter college at the same age as at the same age for me as my parents were. If tuition and total costs average 6%, 6% inflation from now until my two attend the same state public schools, their two degrees will cost us $470,000 where his parents sent wow. two kids to four years of state school each 
for 85K. 85K versus 470,000. I am blessed and fortunate to be on track to fund that. But one generation goes to school for 85,000 and the other generation goes to school for 400,000 plus. Elite schools will always fill their spaces, but third level and lower level schools will have to adapt a thousand percent. And that, that adaptation is going to be online, online learning and the virtual. And and this is what it's going to be. It's going to be the, the, the celebrity status of professors, Hmm. a professor that is a, it's like you see with Peloton, the Peloton app where you can work out at home Peloton has star instructors, and those star instructors command a larger base of uh, workout exercise people, Hmm. and they're compensated more by Peloton. You're going to have superstar professors that are essentially going to be free agents, like a LeBron James going from the Miami Heat or the Cleveland Cavaliers to the Los Angeles Lakers. And these superstar professors are going to be able to basically say, if you hire me and you pay me this amount of money, Liberty, or if you hire me and you pay me this amount of money, VCU, or if you hire me and pay me this amount of money, uh, George Mason, I'm going to bring a, a, a customer base or a paying student base of uh, 250,000 students with me. And it's going to be less about the institution and more about the brand profile and recognition of the celebrity professor. It's going to be the influencer nature of college professorship. You're going to have to have the X's and O's and the foundation of knowledge as much as the sex appeal and the likability, the approachability of being a professor. Because if you're just sitting in front of a camera and you're boring, no one's going to watch you and no one's going to enroll. You need to be Bill Nye the science guy. Unless, should I throw shade at one of my teachers growing up? Mr. Myers. Mr. Myers. I'll leave it at that. Mark it down. <laughs> Mr. Myers. All right. Close the show down with a couple of uh, important tidbits that I thought. Um, Virginia Credit Union is merging with a Roanoke-based credit union. This is from Richmond BizSense. Virginia Credit Union announced its plans to merge with Roanoke-based Member One Federal Credit Union. The deal, which is subject to certain approvals and could close later this year, would create the third largest credit union in Virginia with $6.8 billion in assets and nearly 500,000 members, 37 branches, and 1,100 employees. Virginia Credit Union is the larger of the two with $5.2 billion in assets 320,000 members and 22 branches. Member one, 1.6 billion in assets and 150,000 members. The credit unions said the merger would create one of the 50 largest credit unions in the United States of America. Both credit unions say they do not have plans to close any branches or lay off any employees from either side. That's news right there. Virginia Credit Union merging with a Roanoke Credit Union. Last item out of the notebook. Two other items out of the notebook. Judah wanted to highlight this. The exposed power line nature of Dominion around here. Yeah. Get the damn lines underground. Good God. You're a monopoly in the Commonwealth and you print more money than just about any business in in Virginia. 
get the power lines underground. Yeah, we were lucky. The snow wasn't that bad. I don't think a whole lot of people lost power, but uh, it's only a matter of time before we get another big snow. A couple we've years seen, ago, we've seen it before. A couple years ago, much of the community was out for a week. Yeah. My family and I, thank goodness our youngest wasn't born then. Let's not wait until that happens again. Let's not wait until that happens again. We were living off gas fireplace and a gas stove. Boiling water on the gas stove and taking that boiling water in huge pots and putting it in the bathtub so we could wash, so we could bathe our kid and scrub our corsets and our top hats clean. No corsets and top hats. But I wanted to create a little imagery. Final topic of the show, UVA is in a must-win basketball game tomorrow night. Virginia Tech hits the John Paul Jones Arena. Tip-off is 7 p.m. at ESPNU. John Paul Jones Arena, UVA is 2-3 and three in conference play. They cannot win on the road. Their resume is pitiful right now. And whether we want to admit this or not, they are on the outside looking in. They are not on the bubble. They're just not even on the invite list. They are wallflowers. They're not even at the party. They're driving to the party. They're not close to the big dance, nor are they close to an invitation for the NCAA tournament. That hurts this community economically. It hurts the food and beverage business the bars and restaurants that rely on fans to support this team during the first quarter of the year when pickings are slim when it comes to customers. Must-win game tomorrow night, Virginia Tech, UVA, 7 o'clock, ESPNU. Judah Wickhauer, any closing thoughts for your fans? Stay warm out there, and if you get a chance and you've got kids, go out and be a kid with them for a little while. I like that. That was good. Go sledding. Yeah. Clark Griswold. Lube, lube up uh, maybe, maybe not that a metal saucer. What yeah. was he on? What sled was he on? Clark. Yeah, one of those. Was it a metal saucer? It was like a flat hubcap. Yeah, it was a, it was a little cup. <laughs> That's not a cup. Okay, a bowl. Was it a bowl? Well, it wasn't perfectly flat. More like a charcuterie board. What? What kind of charcuterie boards are you seeing? What kind of cups and bowls do you see with Clark riding that thing through the woods? More uh, charcuterie board than cup or bowl. No, he had a... The cup or bowl would have a... Cause friction on the snow downhill. It would create like a wall that would block and slow the sled. Clark was going so fast, he went through the little hut that had the hole in the ice where they went fishing. You know, he sprayed that... He sprayed... He whiffed that lube. Yeah. He used the lube. Wasn't that the lube he created at his business? I bet if we found a picture, it, we'd see that he was using a... Uh, like a metal saucer. But it's yeah. way more charcuterie board than bull or cop. I, I'm not sure you know what that... You think that means. I know what a charcuterie yeah. board is. I, it's one of my favorite foods, charcuterie. Really? Yes. How about, a tri- how about a question before we go? I have a 145 call. Spell charcuterie. Oh, come on. you got to give me something tougher than that. Smell, okay, spell charcuterie there, hot shot. C-H-A-R-C-U-T-E-R-I-E. That's good. Well done. On that note, we close the program for the spelling genius, Judah Wickhauer. I am uh, an easy f- one. I wouldn't have gotten charcuterie right. Uh, it's, I mean, you just... I have the spelling skill set of a seventh grader, though. You have the spelling <laughs> skill set of a... Uh, PhD. An eighth grader. <laughs> no. You're, you're a fantastic speller. 
I was growing up just in the era of Microsoft Word where you didn't have to spell anything because Microsoft Word would just write the red line underneath it and you would just have to do F7, I think, with spell check and it corrected the word for you. The young Gen Zers coming up now, the adolescent Gen Zers coming up now, it just changes the word for you. It doesn't even put the red line underneath it. It just autocorrects. Yeah, and some people don't even bother to check the autocorrect. Or even worse, they, they write in text slang. Yeah. It's bananas. That's the mm-hmm. Tuesday edition of the talk show. He's Judah. I'm Jerry. If you like the show, tell somebody about the show and spread the gospel. Write in the comment section, great show. Please. We work hard for you and we ask very little in return. So long, everybody. Yeah, not a charcuterie board.